Brilliant. So, how many of you enjoy a good film? Anybody like a good film? Yeah? I thought most of you probably would. So, I, I guess the real question then is, what kind of film do you enjoy? Um, would you choose historical drama or comedy or an action film um, or a romance? What is it that kind of um, would make you want to get up and book a night out at the cinema? You know, for, for me, I have to admit that um, I'm a bit of a, a, a kind of a comic book geek and, and always have been. So I am loving the era that we are in at the moment with the, the era of superheroes and, and Marvel Universe and it's just everywhere right now. And uh, if only it had been like that when I was a child, it would have been superb. But no, um, but at least I can enjoy it now um, as an adult. You know, but when someone hits on a winning formula... Um, for what people like and what they enjoy, what happens is these big blockbuster franchises appear. And one of the biggest franchises around is Mission Impossible. You know, it's already had five films released and there's a sixth one coming out next year. And each film really just features Tom Cruise doing his thing with his team, taking on seemingly impossible missions. And, you know, they, they have uh, this goal that they've got to achieve, this aim that they're, they're going for. But in order to get there, they first... Uh, got to get through seemingly impossible situations by putting together these elaborate plans. And one of the best scenes out of all of the films, I think, is still in the, the original one. And it's the vault scene. You know, Tom Cruise and, and his team have to, to break into this high-security vault to steal a computer document which contains the details of, um, of all of the names and the, the true identities and the code names and the locations of, of this whole bunch of spies. The room has a, has a guard, but when the guard isn't there, they put in place these security measures, which are even worse. You know, the, the room is set at a constant temperature of 72 degrees. It's got a pressure-sensitive floor, which will, will register if even something like a drop of water hits it. And if that's not enough, it's got a noise detection system that will pick up on a whisper. And if the temperature rises or falls by a, a single degree or something touches the floor or there's a noise in the room, an alarm will go off, the place will go on lockdown and armed men will rush in. Would you fancy being in a ventilation duct with that rat coming towards you? Or being the security guard having to explain how the impossible just happened? I don't want to spoil all of the films for you, but every time what we see happen is that again and again Tom Cruise and his team face an impossible task but they manage to overcome it with an elaborate plan that uses all of their training and their skills and their resources. Now, we might not have to uh, break into high-security vaults, but we do all face things in life that are hard and maybe even seem impossible. We look ahead with all of our hopes and our dreams and our aims and the goals that we have. But how often do we find that there seems to be this obstacle in the way of it. It could be hopes for a closer marriage or a closer relationship with your children. But every time you try and take a step towards them, it's like you hit this immovable wall as you face the same arguments and the same conflicts that you always do. It could be hopes for, for how you can use your time and what you're going to do with your life, but there's this immovable wall of physical illness or this immovable wall of anxiety or fear or doubt that holds you back. 
It could be hopes for your relationship with God and your ministry as you serve Him. But no matter how many times you determine that things are going to, to change, you seem to hit this wall. As you fall into the same temptations and the same sinful habits, or if you hit this wall, you just can't seem to carve out time to spend with God. And as much as you want to, it always seems that other things get in the way. And it all starts to seem impossible. You have this dream of how things could be. This idea of what you're aiming for and you're longing for, but it's like there's this great big wall standing in your way. And our tendency when we, when we face a seemingly impossible task, whether it's these kind of things or anything else, when things get hard, when life is difficult and we feel like we need to find a way forwards, our tendency is to sit down just like Tom Cruise and to look at our skills to look at what we have and our resources and the things that are available to us and try to put together some kind of elaborate plan of how we're going to fix it, of how we're going to solve things and we're going to get through. The problem is that if your experience is anything like mine, despite your best intentions, more often than not, our plans don't work. And we just hit that wall again. Maybe some of you feel like you're, you're facing mission impossible in life right now, but whether you do or not, we all face those kinds of things at some point in our lives. And so this morning as we continue our, our series, stepping out, looking through the book of Joshua, we're, we're going to see what we can learn from how Joshua and the Israelites face their very own mission impossible. Joshua and, and the people of Israel have their own dream. They know what they're aiming for. God has promised them a land of their very own, a land flowing with milk and honey. And they've been stepping out and following God and trusting God. They've crossed the river Jordan, they've entered the promised land, but now they find that while God has has promised them the land, there is still a battle that they've got to fight. There's this seemingly impossible obstacle in their way. You know, I know how that it can be like that sometimes for us too. We have this sense of what God has promised and we've been doing our best to step out and to obey him either individually or as a family or as a church. But at the same time, we're not experiencing it right now. It's like there's this battle to fight. There's this obstacle in the way of the promise. Well, we read about what the obstacle that was in front of the Israelites was in Joshua 6 verse 1, where it says, Now the gates of Jericho were securely barred because of the Israelites. No one went out and no one came in. The Israelites have arrived in the promised land, but standing in their way of enjoying it is this city of Jericho. And this isn't a city that can just be ignored or gone around. They know that if they want to go any further, they have to take the city first. And you need to understand what cities back then were like. They're not like cities today. Cities were mainly places for trading and places for protection. When a threat came along, all of the farmers and the people who lived outside of the city would gather up their harvest and their food and they would go and hide inside the walls. And the the city of Jericho, it was surrounded by two thick walls with, with houses and shops that were built into the middle of them. And in total, the walls would have been about the height of a four-story building. 
And their city is on lockdown. No one's going in. No one's going out. And they've probably got enough food in there to last them at least a year or so. They've hunkered down. And they're simply waiting for reinforcements to arrive from the other cities. And I imagine that Joshua looked at the city of Jericho and thought, how on earth are we going to do this? We don't have siege engines to pound the walls. We don't have the luxury of time in order to just simply wait them out. And if you read back in Joshua chapter 5, just to make things worse, part of dedicating the nation to God was that they've just gone through a nationwide circumcision program. So I imagine the fighting men are all feeling a little bit tender. Humanly speaking, they don't have the training. They don't have the skills or the resources. And so Joshua is scratching his head, trying to think of an elaborate plan so that they can accomplish Mission Impossible. I think this is probably what we find Joshua doing at the end of chapter 5. He's gone out on his own to look at the city of Jericho and try and work out what they're going to do. And then we read in verses 13 to 15. Now when Joshua was near Jericho, he looked up. And saw a man standing in front of him with a drawn sword in his hand. Joshua went up to him and asked, Are you for us or for our enemies? Neither, he replied. But as commander of the army of the Lord, I have now come. Then Joshua fell face down to the ground in reverence and asked him, What message does my Lord have for his servant? The commander of the Lord's army replied, Take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy. And Joshua did so. And I think this gives us our first lesson about how we're to face the walls that we come against in life. You see, so often our natural tendency when we're, we're facing a challenge or things get difficult is to focus in on ourselves. And when it comes to conflict or problems or struggles that we're having, we want people to take our side. And we can treat God in exactly the same way. We come to God and say, this is what I'm facing, this is what I'm going through, and this is what I want. So if you're on my side, what are you going to do about it? Oh God, this is my plan. This is what I'm aiming for. Would you just come and be on my side and bless my plan and what I'm doing? And God comes to Joshua and says, you're asking the wrong question. The question isn't if I'm on your side. It's if you are on mine. Are you on God's side? Now the starting point for facing and overcoming what can seem like impossible situations is to lay down our own agenda. To lay down our control to lay down what we want to happen and to fall face down in surrender to God. To make him the one whose side we're on. To stop asking him to bless our plans so that what we want happens in the way that we want and to surrender to him and to accept his lordship and his leading and his way forwards. Facing the challenges in life in a way that means that we are able to overcome them starts with a personal encounter with Jesus that leads us to a place of surrender. 
So the first lesson that we, we learn is that if we are to start with surrender, and then once Joshua comes to that place of surrender, this is what we read in Joshua 6 verse 2. It says, Then the Lord said to Joshua, See, I have delivered Jericho into your hands, along with its king and its fighting men. Now, let's just remind ourselves what Joshua is looking at. He's looking at Mission Impossible. He's looking at an impregnable fortress. So how can God say, see, I have delivered Jericho into your hands? That's not what it must have have looked like to Joshua. And yet God makes this statement like it's something that's already happened. You know, and sometimes what God says and what God promises don't seem to match up with what we see. And the enemy comes along and he tries to use our problems and the obstacles we're facing and what it is that we see in front of us to destroy our faith and to cause us to doubt and to worry and to pull back. But the thing is that the word that we've translated as the word see actually literally means to envision something. And when you envision something, what happens is that you see in your mind's eye what something will be, what it will become. And so what God is really saying to to Joshua is envision, see in your mind's eye. I have delivered Jericho into your hands. Know that this is what I'm going to do. Have faith. So that from that place of surrender, God gives Joshua a dream. He gives him a vision of what will be so that he can stir faith in his heart. And what we read in Hebrews 11 verse 30 is that by faith, the walls of Jericho fell after the army had marched round them for seven days. So what we learn from from Joshua is that when we face obstacles and challenges in life, when we look around and we're not happy with how things are, we're not happy with how things are going, we're not happy with, with, with the way things are, and we just don't know what we can do about it, we don't know how we can make anything change. It seems impossible to change things. When we're in that place, we start by coming to God and surrendering everything to Him. Letting Him be the one that is in charge. And then we ask God to give us his vision of how things will be. A vision of where he is wanting to lead us in order to stir faith in our hearts. And then this isn't just wishful thinking or blind optimism that, that things are going to be the way that we want them to be and happen what we want to happen. This is faith which is based upon God's vision of what he is saying will happen. And after giving Joshua this vision and stirring faith in his heart, God then gives Joshua instructions for how he's to put his faith into action. And this is what he says. He says, March round the city once with all the armed men. Do this for six days. Make seven priests carry trumpets of ram's horns in front of the ark. On the seventh day, march round the city seven times with the priests blowing the trumpets. When you hear them sound a long blast on the trumpets, make the whole army give a loud shout. Then the wall of the city will collapse and the army will go up, everyone straight in. Now I think this is where we can often start to go wrong. Because you see, the third lesson that we learn from Joshua is that we need to listen for God's strategy. If you want to see the walls 
get knocked down and to see radical change in your own life, for you to be set free and to, to come free of things, to have breakthrough in situations that you face, then you've got to learn to listen. The way to overcome what's in front of you is through obedience and it's not, not some kind of elaborate plan that you might put together as you try and do a Tom Cruise kind of thing and overcome Mission Impossible. You see, often when we're facing something and we're not sure how to move forwards, our starting point is to, to look at how other people handled it. Or to type it into Google for some suggestions. You know, we might read something in a book or we hear someone's story about what God has done for them and how he's worked in their life and we think, wow, I want that to happen in my life and so I'm going to do the same thing that they did and then I'll see the same things. And then we don't. And we wonder why. And the reason we don't is because instead we need to start by listening to what God is saying to us. To what he wants to do because what matters most is obedience. And God gives us general instructions which are are true for us all in the Bible. And so the Bible gives us a framework from which we can understand everything else. We know that it, it won't be God's prompting or God's instructions if it goes against something in the Bible. But then he also guides us through his spirit, through prayer and through wise counsel of, of people around us. You know, God can speak to us and guide us in, in lots of ways. But the important thing is that we're listening. And that we keep listening. Because, you know, a strategy he gave you yesterday might not be the strategy he wants for you today. His strategy, even for the situation which looks exactly the same, can still be different the next time we face it. You know, he only gives the Israelites the instructions to march around a city seven times once. Just for the city of Jericho. His strategy for every other city is different. The next one's an ambush. The next one changes again. You know, his strategy for each person and each situation is unique. And I think the whole reason that God does it this way is because it means that it's all about relationship with him. It means it's all about constantly living life with him and listening to him and spending time with him and trusting him and walking with him. And he just longs to be in relationship with you and to spend time with you. So he chooses to work in a way which means we need to. And when we listen for his strategy and what he asks us to do, can sometimes take us by surprise. You know, what kind of military commander would have dreamt up God's plan to march around the city seven times and expect the walls to fall down? You know, what God asks us to do doesn't always look like what we might expect. It can look foolish. It can make no sense either to us or to the people around us. And it's in those moments that our faith is put to the test. And we have a choice whether we will pull back or step out. Whether we'll play it safe or we'll obey. And you know, stepping out in that kind of a way takes courage. But one of the things that really struck me as I prepared for today is that actually, while stepping out in obedience takes courage, it isn't the hardest part. 
The hardest part is keeping going. Try, try and imagine what it must have been like for the people in Jericho and for the Israelites themselves as they start to put God's plan into action. This is what we read. It says, So Joshua, son of Nun, called the priests and said to them, Take up the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord and make seven priests carry trumpets in front of it. And he ordered the army, Advance, march round the city with an armed guard going ahead of the Ark of the Lord. When Joshua had spoken to the people, the seven priests carrying the seven trumpets before the Lord went forwards, blowing their trumpets, and the Ark of the Lord's Covenant followed them. The armed guard marched ahead of the priests who blew the trumpets, and the rear guard followed the ark. All this time the trumpets were sounding. But Joshua had commanded the army, Do not give a war cry, do not raise your voices, do not say a word, until the day I tell you to shout. Then shout! So we had the ark of the Lord carried round the city, circling it once. Then the army returned to camp and spent the night there. And then they got up early the next morning, and they did the same thing again. And then they went back to camp. And they just kept doing this one day after another for six days. And after six days, what had they accomplished? As far as they could see, absolutely nothing had happened. And the people on both sides must have thought that it was crazy. Now just try and imagine what this must have been like for the people of Jericho for a moment. You're inside the city behind these huge walls. And, and you've been told about this army that's coming and you've all been scared of them. And they arrive and so you, you climb up some ladders or you peer through a window wanting to get a peek at this army and what they're doing outside. And way down on the ground what you see is a great army of Israelites, but they're, they're not even facing the city. They're walking round it. And they've got these annoying horns which are just blowing constantly. If anyone remembers the World Cup back in Brazil with, the, with the, the horns that were constantly blowing, that kind of a noise just going on and on and on. Is it South Africa? Okay, thanks Dan. <laughs> and then not only have you got the annoying noise, but there's this strange box which we know is the Ark of the Covenant, but they've no idea what it is. They have no idea why it's there. There's just this box being carried around. And maybe the strangest part of all, 600,000 men, dressed for battle, walking around the city, completely silent. It'd be a weird sight, wouldn't it? It might freak you out a little bit. And they just walk all the way around the city, and then they leave. And then the next day they come back and they do it all again. And then they leave. And after a few days, you start to think, who are these fools? And to mock and to jeer and to throw things down from the walls. And then imagine what it must have been like for, for the Israelite army. They get up early in the morning, they sharpen their swords, they polish their shields, they kiss their wives goodbye, they head out to battle, only to be told by Joshua... Today we're just going to march. And I want you to be completely silent while we do. You're a bit kind of confused, but you think, well, maybe we're just going to get a look around the walls, see what's, what it's like, and you know, maybe we're just going to try and scare the enemy and intimidate them today. When you get home, your wife asks you, how did you get on? Did anybody get hurt in the battle? Everything okay? And you get kind of sheepish. 
He said, well, hard day at work today, love. We just kind of walked for an hour around the city and, and now I'm home again. I'm sure we'll fight tomorrow. But tomorrow it's the same again. And again. And again. And then the people on the walls start mocking you. And you start wondering what we're doing. And you face six days of this. And you're not one step closer to taking the city. Not one stone has wobbled in the wall. I imagine it was a lot harder for those soldiers on day six than it was on day one. And what must have made it worse is that Joshua never told them it was just six days and on the seventh they'll have victory. He just told them what to do one day at a time. They didn't know how long it was going to go on for. And you'd think that maybe God would want to kind of motivate them and give them a little bit of encouragement and at least let a few bricks fall every day so they can see that something's happening as they walk. You know, but God doesn't work like that. And here's the thing, life can feel like that sometimes, can't it? We can start off obeying God full of faith and hope and good intentions, but when we don't see progress, and we don't understand what's happening, and it looks like nothing's changing, it can be hard to keep going. When you're praying sometimes, or you're reading your Bible sometimes, when you're trying to raise your children in a, in, in a godly way, when you're trying to manage your finances in a way which honours God, when you're, you're praying for your friends and family to come to know Jesus and looking for those opportunities to share about him. When you're praying for healing in your own life or for somebody else and nothing's changing. We can't see any visible progress. And we have no idea if this season is going to last six days or 60 years. And we feel like we're putting the effort in and we're doing our best to be obedient. So why aren't we seeing anything happen? And it can be hard. Days one to six of obediently following God, even though it looks like foolishness, are hard. But God says, this, this is how it works. And it works this way because I'm more interested in you learning to trust me and pushing into your relationship with me. I'm more interested in you learning to walk by faith and not by sight. I'm more interested in in what it is that that I'm doing in you. And so you're going to have to walk around these walls and believe that I'm working, even though it doesn't seem like anything is happening at all. And so while stepping out in faith can take courage and it can be hard. Keeping going in faith is so much harder. And here's the question. Will you do God's will even when it doesn't make sense to you? And you can't see any progress. Will you continue to forgive even though the other person doesn't return the favor or want to change or even seem to acknowledge the fact that they've hurt you? Will you continue to love even though it gets thrown back in your face? Will you continue to give generously of what God has given to you even though it means sacrificing some of the things that you'd like for yourself? Will you continue to look to God and to pray and to trust him even though it doesn't look like anything is changing? 
Because you see, progress might not be obvious, but it doesn't mean that God isn't working. We need to learn to take another lap, even when we don't understand knowing that the seventh day is coming. The day of victory, the day of breakthrough, the day of change is coming. But you've got to keep going through days one to six to get there. And that can be hard. It can be hard. But it's in those days that not only is God working in this situation, but actually he's doing a deeper work in you. He's doing a work in you to grow your faith and your trust, to draw you closer to him, to shape your character to become more and more like Jesus. And as you look around and wonder what's going on, God is simply asking, do you trust me? Do you trust me? If you trust me, keep going. One more lap. One more lap. Don't give up now. You're closer now to the seventh day. You're closer now to the day of breakthrough than you've ever been before. One more lap. Hebrews 10 verse 36 says, You need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what he has promised. It doesn't sound like a suggestion to me. It sounds like a pretty clear instruction. You need to keep going. And when you do, in God's time, you will receive what he has promised. Now, some of you may be going through difficult seasons in life right now, and those seasons may have been going on for years. You may feel like there's a wall in front of you stopping you from moving forwards. Or a wall in between you and someone that you love, which is just keeping this distance there. And you feel like that wall is impregnable. You know, there are all kinds of of walls that we face in life. It might be that you don't feel like that today, but at some point in life we all face difficult seasons and seemingly impossible, no-win situations that we don't know how to handle. And so my encouragement to us today is to learn some lessons from Joshua when we feel like we're facing Mission Impossible. So here are those lessons. Number one, to surrender to God. To lay down our own agenda. To stop trying to be in control and have it our way and allow him to be Lord. Allow him to be in charge. To choose to be on his side rather than asking him to be on yours. Number two, to ask God for his vision of how things will be and to grow faith in you. To have your heart captivated both by his promise, but also by the promise of his provision. To listen for God's strategy and accept it, even when it looks like foolishness. And lastly, to keep going. To press on and to trust him through days one to six, however hard that may be, knowing that he is at work, not only in your situation, but within you. And that the day of breakthrough is coming. 
If you've surrendered to God, if you've been captivated by his vision of how things will be, and you're walking in obedience to his strategy, then the breakthrough is guaranteed. So keep going. Must have been such an amazing moment on that seventh day when they let out that shout and the walls came down. But they would have missed it all if they'd given up in the morning on that seventh day because nothing had happened in the other six. Keep going.